Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I will be reviewing in full AEW Dynamite that debuted on October 7th, 2020. This was the 30 years of Chris Jericho. Such a milestone for this amazing performer, whether he is a wrestler or a musician or just trying to reinvent himself in the industry that he so dearly loves. But before I jump into AEW Dynamite, let me just take a moment to thank all of my listeners out there who have ever tuned in to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. The Square Circle Podcast is dedicated to bringing you professional wrestling, whether that's men, women's, or whatever kind of wrestling it is. I love talking about it. I have a passion for it. And you guys are here to listen to me. So the ways you can listen to the Square Circle Podcast is over on the Anchor site, anchor.fm forward slash Square Circle Podcast. And according to my analytics over on Anchor, we have 86% of listenership over on the United States of America. That includes New Jersey, Virginia, Washington, Ohio, Texas, New York, North Carolina, Connecticut, Illinois, California, South Dakota, Florida, and Oregon. Thank you guys for making up 86% of that listenership here in the United States. Again, I am from New York, so let's try to get those numbers up a little bit, you know, just to help me out there. But I do thank each and every one of you guys for tuning in to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. Now, over on the UK side, makes up 5% of listenership. Thank you, every single person from England for tuning in to the Square Circle Podcast. Over on the Ireland side, 3% of listeners are over there. I apologize if I mispronounced the hometown that I'm about to say, Leinster and Cognac. Again, I apologize if I mispronounced your hometown. No disrespect at all. And obviously, Canada has come in with 1% of listenership. I have Ontario, Newfoundland, and Nova Scotia, Quebec, and Alberta. Thank you to the United States, United Kingdom, Ireland, and Canada for listening to Square Circle Podcast. And I do hope that many others around the world tune in to listen to me talk about professional wrestling in the perspective that I do. Thank you guys for all the support. Let's jump right into AEW Dynamite. So the first match I want to highlight for AEW Dynamite's 30 Years of Jericho is the dog collar match that Cody Rhodes had against Brody Lee. I want to highlight that first because in the review of AEW Dynamite that debuted on October 14th, I ranted about how off that Dynamite was and what Cody attributed to making me rant for close to an hour. Here on the Square Circle Podcast, in the past, I used to rant about the stuff that was off about AEW in the first year. And most of that ranting was about Cody and his mindset and how he thinks and how the WWE stigma is still subconsciously in his mind. So some of the stuff that he does is basically WWE-esque. And I'm here to point it out to have you guys see a different perspective. And hopefully one day Cody Rhodes will change and Cody Rhodes will evolve. Because I personally do not think that Cody Rhodes knows who Cody Rhodes is, even if he does not have the Rhodes last name and WWE still has it. It's the idea of when you leave a big company like WWE, sometimes you don't know how to navigate the indies and you don't know how to navigate yourself. You think you do. 
you surround yourself with people that basically say you do, but you don't know how to navigate yourself as people who have been born on the indies, like the Young Bucks and Kenny and Hangman and all the rest of the guys that first decided to do indies first rather than big name WWE company first. So sometimes AEW loves to take two steps forward, one step back. This AEW Dynamite show that debuted on October 7th was two steps forward. Come next week to the anniversary show 1014, that was a step back. So if you listen to this podcast episode and then the other podcast episode about AEW Dynamite, don't think I was bashing the 14th edition just because I just wanted to bash it. On this podcast, if you listen to the backlogs, I used to do the same thing, but also I give solutions on how to fix problems that are problematic. So Brody Lee has a championship title for maybe about a month. I'm not really keeping score here, but he had it for a little while because Cody got beaten like three minutes, lost a championship title, went off to go do a TV show. So Cody Rose accepted this dog collar match with Brody Lee. It felt amazing. It felt organic. And it felt like it was really high stakes for Cody to try to get the TNT championship back. There were certain moments in this match where I knew that certain moves that Cody was doing to Brody Lee with the collar and with certain psychology in-ring abilities that I was like, they're going to give the title back to Cody. The only reason why they would give the title back to Cody is because TNT definitely believed in Cody Rhodes, just like TNT believed in his father, Dusty Rhodes, when WCW was around. And Turner has been around for ages in professional wrestling. So why not put the title back on a Rhodes, meaning Cody, to usher us in to the anniversary show on 1014? Because originally the title was given to him. That's a network belt. It's not really a AEW belt. It feels like an AEW belt, but guys, remember, it's a network title belt. It's probably the equivalent to a TV championship title. That's all it is. Cody is must-see, therefore put the belt on him. He has TV time. Bam, TV title. Put two and two together. So in attendance, Greg the Hammer Valentine was there. He had some pretty nasty dog collar matches in the past. So here are my notes. In the beginning of the match, John Silver decides to get up on the apron to try to do some distractions, but that doesn't really work. Brody Lee pulls Cody towards him and Cody Rhodes hits John Silver in the head, automatically busting him open. So that is the first time that we see blood in this match. Usually Cody is bleeding and most of the time when Cody bleeds, it does not add anything to the match. It really doesn't. And if we're going to be honest about it, Cody needs to really stop bleeding and try to find a new avenue to hook the fans' emotions. If you're going to be bleeding, just go donate your blood to the Red Cross. That's it. Just do that. Brody pulled Cody from the second rope. Brody gave Silver a chair. However, Cody comes in and drop kicks John Silver. John Silver goes directly into the guardrail. Brody then clotheslines Cody with the chain. Brody then does the DDT. Cody then starts to bleed to make the match more important and exciting and emotional as he will probably think it does. It does not at all. There is a leg sweep to Brody with the chain. Cody taking the advantage, doing a suicide dive, throwing Brody into the guardrail. Brody then pulls Cody into the guardrail as well. 
There is a cutter by Cody to Brody. Package power driver from Cody to Brody Lee. This was on the outside, if I remember correctly. Both men are now bleeding. Cody whips Brody Lee's back with the chain. Brody Lee does a boss man slam to Cody. Cody does the moonsault, then the crossroads. But Brody Lee kicks out at one. There is a suplex off the top rope. Then the final cut to Brody Lee. Cody wrapping the chain around Brody Lee's face. There's a crossroads. And that allows Cody Rhodes to pick up the win, regain the title. And now the Dark Order members don't know how to approach the situation. The exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee, is no longer their champion. And that sort of scares them. What I liked about the match was the atmosphere. It definitely felt high stakes. It definitely felt like there needed to be a winner. And they gave it to Cody because of the network and to bring in the anniversary show of Dynamite. He's also an EVP. So he started from the very beginning of Dynamite as well as the other EVPs. So I think that putting the title on Cody Rose was just a business decision and not necessarily a story decision because obviously Cody has this weird thing about naming himself or calling himself a heel or a face and he just wants to be a wrestler and I totally get that you want to be a wrestler but in order for you to make stories that we can fall in love with you do have to pick a side like professional wrestling is the most different medium of entertainment than anything else in a movie you have your clear-cut characters. You know that this is the protagonist. You know that that might be his love interest. And then you know that this person is the villain and or antagonist that is going to drive the story forward and eventually will get either a happy ending, a sad ending, or sequels. Like, movies are already planned. And if you immerse yourself into the movie aspect and you're a wrestler, sometimes it can mess with you because you think that by doing the formula of heel versus face that it's tiring it's old it you know it should be revamped and cody is really a white knight in revamping heel and face he likes hero and villain and i'm like it doesn't make any sense it shouldn't really matter what matters is that your character you know your character inside and out your character wouldn't be having all these loose ends because Cody Rhodes plus Brandy as a team and individuals for like wrestling have a lot of loose ends. And I noticed this when I was writing something that they have a lot of loose ends in this business and also in their characters and the stories that they tell. So it's okay to call yourself a face or a heel. I was thinking that when he came back with the dark hair, the dark clothes, you know, it would have been a different turn for Cody Rhodes. It would have been something unique. His character would have grown. But no, when the anniversary show comes, you see that he reverts back to the same old Cody Rhodes with the same old story, him having the blonde hair, him having the silver wrestling gear and trying to be the people's champ because he did not want to give in to the fans that had been asking him to turn heel that have been thinking he was going to turn heel there are times where cody does heelish tactics and we're like oh we're finally going to get it we're finally going to get this heel cody it never happens like being a heel is way more fun than being a face and i don't know why he doesn't want to explore it especially if he is the son of dusty Rhodes. everyone could definitely be like oh you were given everything like don't give me that 
speech of you had to work for it. All he knows is professional wrestling. He doesn't know anything else outside professional wrestling. So why not build off of that and build off of all the fans that ever told him anything negative, anything stupid, and go from there and prove every one of them wrong? That doesn't mean being a a babyface. He could definitely go into business for himself. And I think that's a very good character for him to have because I can see that. I can see that he could be conceited and stubborn and want to do it his way. So why not go into business for himself and every single opponent that he has, he's not wrestling them to gain a trophy or gain recognition or anything. He's wrestling them because it's a business thing to do. He thinks that he is better than them, not to confuse it with MJF, but Cody Rhodes should play into his narcissism. He should play into his aggression that he can have like there's so many different things that Cody Rose can do for his character growth that he doesn't do he remains the same Cody Rose with the same story he bleeds in every match he has the same moves he hasn't changed it up sure you know his name will be in the bullet club in ring of honor but what did that really do that really didn't do anything for him it just Put his name out there for more people to be like, oh my God, I'm a Cody Rhodes fan. Awesome. But Cody, when are you going to change your character to evolve your character? Every single person in AEW from year one till now has changed their character, at least slightly. And, you know, I understand that every single wrestler is different with their character, different with their story arcs. They want to achieve different goals than what you may have as your goals and your strengths and stuff. However, you need character growth too. Cody Rhodes needs to evolve rather than staying the same and just staying in the same repetitive stories over and over and over. If you don't evolve and don't adapt, you will get swept under and you will just be there. There's going to be lots of fans who will still cheer for you, buy your merchandise, say you're the best, but you got to feel it that you're the best. And it just feels like you're going through the motions and you're not thinking outside the box. And this is one of the instances where the 30 year of Jericho was definitely out of the box and it felt good. And I thought we were going to go on, you know, two feet forward to do something great with your character. And then come October 14th and it's two steps back. Like, I understand if you're stressed and you have a lot of things to deal with. Even if QT Marshall is helping you with paperwork and emails and all that kind of stuff. There's people out here, including me, Marie Shadows, that would love to help AEW with these little tiny problems. You need someone to think outside the box for you if you can't do it for yourself to elevate your character. There's nothing different about your character at all. The most character growth on the AEW roster is definitely Hangman Adam Page. Hangman Adam Page has the most growth in that company from changing to someone who still didn't believe in himself, but he went out there and wrestled no matter what to being in with the elite, being at the big boys table, to spiraling down because his insecurities got in the way. And now he is trying to spiral back to try to get everybody back together and apologize and try to atone for everything that he did because he thinks everything is his fault and he's a piece of shit hangman adam page is not a piece of shit 
But the idea is that his character arc changed from year one, and now we're going into year two, and it's completely different. You feel for Hangman Adam Page. In the beginning, you're like, yeah, I'm going to root for Hangman Adam Page. I hope he becomes the very first ever AEW World Heavyweight Champion. But that didn't happen, and we all stood with him, and then he started to change. He started to be angry with the Unbucks because he saw through their bullshit. He started to be angry with Kenny as well because Kenny will always be on the Young Bucks side. Like that friendship between Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are very unbreakable, even if they have their problems within. And then FTR comes in, breaks down Hangman's insecurities even further, and Hangman fucks up even further. And now he's trying to atone. So you see how that character arc has changed from 2019 to 2020? And, you know, this is already one year and Cody has not done that at all. Cody hasn't really changed. Even if he had his feud with MJF and had a small little feud with Sean Spears that didn't go anywhere. Every one of Cody Rhodes feuds has a 15 minute fame attached to it because sometimes I don't even remember his feuds or why they happened and all the details. But with people like the Elite and Hangman, I can remember the details and definitely tell you and pinpoint why a certain character did something. What was their motive to do it? I don't have that with Cody Rhodes. I really don't. And even though this dog collar match on the 30-year anniversary of Chris Jericho celebration of AEW Dynamite was really, really great, I really thought we were going in the right direction. And I was really hoping for it. But then when watching 10-14, we took a step back. And AEW should not be taking steps back. AEW should be taking all the steps forward to ensure their success for many, many years. Sometimes the smallest problematic situation in their company can always be their downfall. Not saying that it will, but sometimes the smallest overlooked problem is way worse than the bigger picture and that is what they need to control is all the smaller problems and i am here for that i can control all the smaller problems to make sure that everything makes sense to make sure that we go in the right direction and yes this is definitely me being very passionate about what i love but this is a company that you know you want to have it succeed and you know you want it here to rival any other wrestling companies and give professional wrestlers a platform because that's what they've been doing. They've been giving professional wrestlers a platform. So why not help the startup to ensure that this continues forever? All right, ladies and gentlemen, moving on to the next match. This is the beginning of AEW Dynamite that happened on October 7th. The opening match is Will Hobbs versus Brian Cage. This was for the FTW Championship title. If you do not know, the FTW Championship title was created by Taz himself. It is a lifestyle and it's very dear to him. So these are very two athletic men. They are very huge in size, a lot of muscle. There is a crossbody to Cage, a sit-out face buster to Hobbs from Cage, Roll through double drop kick to Hobbs. However, Brian Cage did not go for the cover when he did that. Over the head body throw and standing moonsault press. That was all to Hobbs from Brian Cage. 
Hobbs with a side backdrop to Cage. Clothesline, jumping tackle. That was from Will Hobbs to Brian Cage. A power slam from Will Hobbs to Cage. High sit-out slam from Will Hobbs to Cage. Pump handle face slam from Brian Cage to Will Hobbs. And then I'm guessing an F5, sort of, from Brian Cage to Hobbs. And then Hobbs kicks out of that. These men do suplexes to each other, then double clotheslines, then a spine buster that Will Hobbs does to Cage, and a missed frog splash. And that allows Brian Cage to do the drill claw to Will Hobbs. This allows Brian Cage to pick up the victory in this match. You would definitely think that two big men should not be this fast, should not be this athletic, but they really did put on one hell of a show and they moved around like air and like cruiserweights. And it was a really good showing between both of them. Now, after that, Taz is on commentary. He grabs the microphone and he calls Will Hobbs. And he basically says that he has the option to join Team Taz. And if he doesn't join Team Taz, both Ricky Starks and Brian Cage will definitely attack him for not joining this is just to make his life easier so that way they don't have to keep feuding however nothing really happens however darby allen comes out to protect will hobbs from any attack that ricky starks and or brian cage might do to will hobbs but both of them back away and team taz retreats to the back after that we start getting little mini montages of professional wrestlers from around the world wishing chris jericho a happy 30-year career in this business. The one that stands out the most is Tanahashi. Everyone popped for Tanahashi. I did too. There's a lot of speculation going around is that will AEW have their partnership with New Japan Pro Wrestling? As much as I would love the partnership between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling, right now is not the time for that. However, in the future, definitely, yes, there are fantasy matches that should happen between both companies, whether that's on Japanese soil or American soil. Either way, a partnership is definitely good and it could happen in the future, just not right now. So Tanahashi wishes Chris Jericho a happy 30 years in this business, which again, we all popped. We get a Lance Archer promo and he talks about New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom when he faced John Moxley over there. This is to hype up their title match shot that will be on the anniversary show. After that, we get a amazing tag team match. This tag team match is FTR versus the Hybrid 2. This is for the tag team championship titles. Jack Evans kick Cash off the apron, rolls up Dax, and there's a kick out. Evans rolls up. And then does a twisting kick and Helico diving crossbody and Helico goes for the crossbody. FCR captures and Helico then Evans flips to the outside to take out everyone. Dax hits Evans knee across the barricade. FTR attacking Evans knee. FTR taking advantage in the match. There is a dragon screw to Evans knee from Dax and Helico double submission on FTR. FTR gets to the ropes. An assistant 450 splash, a pin from a helico, FTR kicks out. There is a roll-through suplex into a dragon suplex into a bridge combination pin on FTR. Kick to the face, moonsault to Dax, kick out. Cash drives in helico's face first on the apron, 
Axe kick to Dax from Evans. Clothesline, Tiger Driver to Evans from Dax. Evans kicks out. Top rope, splash by Dax. Crossbody from Cash. FTR wins via that maneuver to retain the championship titles. And after that, the best friends come out. They are in the ring with FTR. A mini fight breaks out because FTR would think that they had the upper hand, so they attack first. However, that's not the case. Best friends definitely take advantage of the situation, and both FTR members roll out to the outside of the ring, and best friends is left in the ring holding up the tag team title belts. That tag team match was really good, very fast-paced. The Hybrid 2 is a very good team. Jack Evans is all over the damn ring. Like, you can't really stop him until they slow down the match by working on his knee. But overall, they gave a really good performance, and that is what matters. After that, we get an MJF promo about Jericho. Again, I do say it in the other AEW Dynamite episode that I am not interested in MJF versus Chris Jericho. Both of these guys have a huge ego and they are all in it for themselves. So it's just not very interesting to me. There's nothing interesting going on when you have two characters who have huge egos do promos and try to start a feud. It would have been better if MJF was still chasing for a title and trying to get the belt off of John Moxley. I honestly thought that when MJF faced John Moxley for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship title, that it would have changed hands. Imagine the AEW landscape changing because MJF is now champion. Would that have sat well with Cody Rhodes? Even if Cody Rhodes lost to MJF in their feud last year? Like, think about it. You know in the back of your mind that certain people that you lose to, it sort of bothers you. You know, because you want to right that wrong. You want to make sure that you're getting that win, you're getting that victory. So imagine if, MJF would have became the World Heavyweight Championship of All Elite Wrestling. Would Cody Rhodes have dropped the TNT Championship title to whomever was worthy to go chase MJF for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship to right a wrong that should have never happened? How good of storytelling would that be? The only difference is that MJF will continue to stay heel and Cody Rhodes would continue to stay babyface for the sake of an old school hero versus villain trope to come to fruition. However, you do things a little bit different. You don't do things predictable. You don't have Cody Rhodes go into a trap because Warlow is there. Or maybe you could get Warlow in on it to where he helps Cody Rhodes win the championship title, and then invoke a match where he takes the boat off of Cody Rhodes just because Wardlow knew that if he went against MJF to try to take the title off, it would not work. MJF would be way too smart. MJF would have saw that coming. MJF would have been my best man, my bodyguard that he brought into AEW is going to try to take the championship title off of me. I don't think so. He would have seen that a mile away. So why not have it as, and this is all fantasy booking, ladies and gentlemen, why not have it as in a alternate universe of AEW wrestling that MJF holds the AEW World Championship title, he fights Cody, Cody wins because Wardlow 
helps Cody win and Cody accepts the help only to lose the belt to Wardlow because it was all Wardlow's idea to finally become champion. It might be muddy. It might not make any sense, but there goes your frame of how to do something exciting and something different that people have not thought about. People are always going to get mad that the belt should not change very frequently. I disagree. I think that sometimes if a championship title is getting stale, just change it up to somebody, but make sure that there's logic behind it to change it up. I agree that in professional wrestling, if you do change the title belt many times, just use it wisely. Don't do a John Cena, Edge, and Randy Orton thing where that belt changed constantly and you didn't know who had it and all that kind of stuff. But imagine if my idea was done, if that was the case. See, I'm a thinker and I like thinking outside the box. After that, we get a backstage interview with Kenny Omega. Alex Marvez asks Kenny Omega his thoughts on the eight-man singles tournament that will crown the number one contender to face whomever is the AEW world champion. It could still be John Moxley or it could be someone else. We don't know. So that's why I'm like, whomever. Kenny Omega says that he always wins tournaments and it's a known fact that he does. Kenny Omega puts all of his emotion and strength and power and ability whenever he is faced to become number one in a tournament. So as he's listing the known guys that are going to be in the tournament, such as Ray Phoenix, Jungle Boy, and Cocabana, Alex Marvez stops him and mentions Hangman Adam Page. This is where Kenny Omega continues to repeat himself as he's talking about Hangman Adam Page. And while Kenny says it doesn't bother him that Hangman Adam Page is in this tournament, it actually does bother him. And while we're on the subject of the tournament, let's talk about who they have participating in the World Title Eliminator Tournament. The finals will be held at Full Gear, which is November 7th. So we have Pentagon versus Ray Phoenix, Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela, Colt Cabana versus Hangman, and Wardlow versus Jungle Boy. First of all, why is Scorpio Sky not in this tournament? I understand that they might be taking from the rankings of the singles competitors. However, Hangman Adam Page has a two-lead victory in singles, while Kenny Omega has not wrestled a single match since their breakup as a tag team. But putting Kenny Omega in there, he used his EVP powers to be in this tournament. I don't know why he's facing against Joey Janela. That's that's a concern for me because Joey has been wrestling on GCW the past couple of days. So the last thing I wouldn't want is for Kenny to get sick. You know, I've never been a huge fan of Joey Janela as is, but I just want all the competitors to be safe and nothing to really happen. And I don't know why he's facing Kenny Omega. That could have been left for somebody else to have it. Joey Janela is in a tag team with Sunny Kiss and they're doing well. Why would you want to have them have singles matches? Pentagon and Ray Phoenix are also a tag team. However, I think they're going to finally break them up so they can go their separate ways and become singles competitors. Cocaban and Hangman Adam Page, that's going to be a very unique, unorthodox style of wrestling. And we're going to see how Hangman Adam Page holds up 
to Cabana being so unorthodox. Warlow and Jungle Boy, it is the classic David and Goliath story that we should definitely stay away from. Warlow is great in this tournament for now, but I do not see him advancing. I do see Jungle Boy advancing, Hangman Adam Page advancing, Ray Phoenix advancing, and Kenny Omega advancing. Those are my guys. Ray Phoenix, Kenny Omega, Jungle Boy, Hangman Adam Page to advance to the next round. For the finals, it's definitely gonna have to be Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega. How they're gonna do it, I do not know, but that is must-see. That is what needs to happen in their story arc and in their regular story as well. Hangman Adam Page needs to fight Kenny Omega at the finals for full gear. Other than that, that is the World Title Eliminator tournament that we just talked about but seriously why are we not getting enough of scorpio sky on aw dynamite he was gonna have a huge ass push when he faced cody rose for the tnt championship title and he's back to doing tag or back doing whatever is needed of him and scorpio sky needs to break out of that and scorpio sky definitely needs to be at the forefront and have the spotlight on him too. You know, he's very underrated. I don't think a lot of people know how great Scorpio Sky can be in the ring and possibly be a great storyteller on his own. But AEW is not giving him the time of day for that. And it's been a couple weeks, months since the summer that Cody Rhodes was like, I'm going to do an open challenge for a TNT championship title, gave Scorpio Sky an opportunity and now he's nowhere in the mix of anything. And I understand that it's hard to put everybody on AEW Dynamite and you're trying to find spots for this, stories for that. Not every single match needs to be contested on AEW Dynamite, but at least have backstage segments that start things and build it slow. The Young Bucks and Kenny know how to do this. So why is Scorpio Sky not getting the push that he was gonna start getting a couple months ago i just need more scorpio sky on my tv i need scorpio sky to tell me a story that he wants to tell that he's comfortable telling and that is going to go far for him to get a title opportunity next we get our women's match which is big swole versus serena deep there was chain wrestling in this match a dragon screw on the ropes from Serena to Swole. A neck breaker on the rope from Serena to Swole. Serena working Swole's knee. Octopus submission on Swole. There's a back elbow from Swole to Serena. There's a headbutt from Swole to Serena. There's a kick and then the roaring elbow that Big Swole does to Serena. And Big Swole picks up the victory via her dirty dancing finisher. It was a nice, small little women's wrestling match. I wish that the women in AEW did have a bigger, grander stage in AEW, regardless if they draw or not. In order for women's wrestling to draw, you need story, you need character, you need personality. Big Swole has a huge-ass personality. I don't know why they're not letting her take the reins and go with it, because she is a really good shit talker and she will get people hyped up and she will make sure that the matches are 
must see. The only problem is that these women don't train together. If they train together and do matches together, practice matches, the matches you see on TV would be a lot more smoother. There won't be a lot of communication there. Uh, they won't miss their steps. They won't miss the choreography. Like, I don't know what it is. This was a really good match because Serena here has a lot of experience under her belt. So she could definitely take control of the ring and take control of any mistakes and mishaps. But then again, this isn't to knock Big Swole's experience as well. She looks really polished in the ring. She knows what she's doing and she can definitely recover from small mistakes that may happen because mistakes in the wrestling ring are natural. The only thing you don't want is to hurt your opponent and we all know that. But there needs to be a consistency with the women because the men already have the consistency. The women need time to have practice matches and sometimes fans say that this is why AEW Dark is needed so that way they can have time for these practice matches. But it still feels off. And I don't know if anyone is sitting down with the women and being like, hey, let's go over your match. What can you do better? You got to think outside the box. You got to think like this. You got to think like that. This is where writers like me could come in that won't be so, hey, read the script for me because I know that you can't work on your character on your own. No, I'm not saying that we should have WWE-esque full control of these women, but me as a writer that can think outside the box and love reading fantasy and sci-fi and everything else that I've been attracted to entertainment wise you know playing and reading Assassin's Creed and games and stuff like that that helps you think outside the box and be different with your character and know how to explain to a wrestler like hey subtlety in matches work ring psychology in matches work you see, you could have attacked this leg to do this move better. You know, just going over the matches with the women would definitely help them become calmer and relax and go out there to put on a show and not be afraid of it. That's all. After that, we get a John Moxley promo because his fight against Lance Archer for the AEW World Championship title is coming up on the anniversary show. This was a very good promo. I really enjoyed it. Now we get to the main event, which is Jericho and Hager versus Luther and Serpentico. I am going to be completely honest that when Luther got signed to AEW, I knew nothing about him. And sometimes when you have a deathmatch character such as Luther, he sometimes gets lost in the shuffle because if he's on AEW Dark wrestling and doing his gimmick, but doesn't have an opponent of equal gimmick to him, then what's the point? How do I get invested? How do I cheer for this guy? I know nothing of him. Jericho brought him onto AEW Dynamite to give him a platform because it's time for him to have a spotlight on the national stage. I totally get it. Cool. He's good, especially him and Jericho since they know each other. It's just that it did not translate well to the fans, but you know, fans are very picky, especially if they're on Twitter. So this was a very interesting tag team match. Luther and Serpentico are definitely an interesting tag team. And they are called the Chaos Project. And I hope that they have 
more opportunities for them to show what they can do. Jericho puts over Serpentico and Luther throughout this whole entire match. Jericho is so selfless. Big boot, clothesline, double underhook slam from Luther. Lion tamer from Jericho. Hager with a side slam on Luther. Standing vertical suplex. Diamond knee drop from Serpentico to Jericho. Luther used the baseball bat, then a high boot. Jericho kicked out. Jericho then does the Judas effect on Luther to pick up the victory. There is a short celebration between Chris Jericho and Jake Hager in the ring until MJF comes out and they further the feud. However, MJF is there to give Chris Jericho a present. This is definitely playing off the best friends thing that Jericho did with Kevin Owens in WWE. You guys need to really do think outside the box and not have the same old tire stuff that is predictable, even if MJF is a very good talker and they just want to recreate that. Anyway, Jericho is given his present, which is a picture of MJF, and then Jericho says that he hates clowns and does the Judas effect on the clown, and then we get to the ending of AEW Dynamite, and this is where I can't be mad at Jericho Jericho decides to have credits roll and he's in all the positions that AEW has for TV programming with a sitcom-like theme and it is great. It's great television. I can't really be mad at Jericho. There are just some things that rub me the wrong way when it comes to character building and storytelling and just small little problematics that can definitely get away from WWE and sometimes Poking the bear is a good thing. It provides healthy competition. But if your bear that you're poking is not returning anything on their side of their programming to make people want to tune in and make people want to see must-see TV, then just stop at this point. And the moment that they get any inch, you continue to poke the bear. But they should slow down on poking the bear and just poking fun. But then again, you could definitely see that the antics that they do is definitely how true Jericho said it in his promo that it was a bad decision by bad creative. So that can open up everyone's eyes to be like, oh, why did I like that story from WWE? You know, it's stupid in this way, you know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was my review of AEW Dynamite celebrating the 30 years of Chris Jericho. If you guys like this review and want more reviews, make sure to keep listening on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. Every single time you guys listen to an episode of the podcast on your preferred podcast listening platforms, it helps me out tremendously. This is a way to give back to me, letting me know that you enjoy my perspective just by listening. That's all you need to do. And if you want, you can take it a step further by heading over to patreon.com forward slash rookie SCP. I have revamped the Patreon with more tiers, more content, more wrestling. And now we're going to start doing gaming. I haven't made an official announcement yet but you can definitely go over and check it out and if you want a better experience go over and support the patreon as always like tweet talk about me on social media you guys could definitely find me at marie underscore shadows 
And you can definitely follow the Square Circle Podcast Twitter account at Square Circle Pod. If you guys want to leave any type of messages, you could definitely leave an Anchor voicemail through Anchor or message me on Twitter or message me on Patreon. Thank you guys for always listening, for always being here. I appreciate every single person that ever stops by to listen to my podcast episode. If you guys want to leave your suggestions, you know how to do it. And I will see you guys in the next one.